0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Jade mining in the Kunlun Mountains, where life is cheaper than rocks. A former Hotan jade miner looks back on a disappeared, dangerous trade. Written by Renjin the Living's Translated by Anna Padilla Fornelius Read to you by Cliff Larson There's a saying that has been known to jade miners since ancient history. A thousand men could venture out in search of jade, and only a hundred will return. Of this hundred, only ten will find the right spot to mine. Among those ten, only one will get lucky. In fact, I might be exaggerating these figures. I first met Zhong at a noodle shop in Wulamuqi. I was working as an English translator at the time. A Swedish friend had entrusted me with purchasing He Tian Jade ornaments as a birthday present for his wife, who happened to be obsessed with Chinese culture. A local friend helped me make my acquaintance with Zongzong, Zong touted as an absolutely reliable contact for jade. Over the course of our conversation, Zhong Zhong found out that I do some freelance writing in my spare time. This prompted him to make a heartfelt revelation. I will share with you the story of my days as a jade miner in He Tian before I became a seller myself. It's also the story of two generations of jade miners in the Kunlun Mountains, this is Zong story. 1. On the day Xiaoyar knelt in the yard as a symbol of the formal start to her apprenticeship, I had been a pupil to Master Ma for five years already. In 1998, at the age of 18, I failed my college entrance exams and followed my father's footsteps to He He sold dried fruits, traveling back and forth between Xinjiang and his native Hubei all year round. On one of his trips, he made arrangements for me to apprentice at a jade miner. Before arriving in Xinjiang, I had always regarded the whole concept of an apprenticeship as a relic of yesteryear. Only once I was here did I realize that the notion of an apprenticeship in our present era is tied to feelings of reverence and respect for the inheritance of traditional skills. Master Ma was about the same age as my father. He was lean and had a dark complexion and a rather serious dry temperament. He would only liven up when talking about the jade-mining business. He had old-fashioned manners, a sound mind, and a good reputation, so nobody criticized his decision to take Yar, a girl, as his apprentice. Xiaoyar's first day started just like the day I began my apprenticeship five years ago. My fellow pupils got up early, set up tables and chairs, and prepared tea and dried fruits. The day before, Master Ma's wife had cleaned the woolen carpet that was now laid in front of the old-fashioned wooden armchair. Making a clean entry into your apprenticeship was regarded as a crucial step. Therefore, Yar had taken a bath early in the morning, and her hair was still damp. From a seat in the middle of the yard, Master Ma watched Xiaoyar kowtow thrice to him, culminating a ceremony where he opened a sachet, resting on his bosom, and handed over to the girl a white jade pebble that he had extracted with his own hands a few days prior. Tradition in the jade mining trade dictates that the master must present the disciple with a fine piece of jade of their own finding. On this solemn occasion, Shayar received a piece worthy of a collector. Master Ma cleared his throat. There is a saying that has been known to jade miners since ancient history. A thousand men could venture out in search of jade. Only a hundred will return. Of this hundred, only ten will find the right spot to mine. Among those ten, only one will get lucky. In fact, I might be exaggerating those figures. Young lady, your name bears the character Yao. I reckon your bond with jade was predetermined by fate. This old man is also making an exception in accepting you as his apprentice based on his fateful bond with your father. My request to you is not that you will always find fine jade, but that you will always put safety first. I was standing aside with a group of fellow disciples, and we all saw Xiaoyars. Square face flush. She touched the jade pebble that Master Ma had gifted her, collecting the piece in her hand with great care. Then she raised her head and glanced timidly at us before nodding. Before the arrival of Xiaoyar, Master Ma's home might as well have passed as a monastery, populated only by the adolescent boys except for his own wife. Master Ma had endured his share of short term disciples kids who dropped out and returned home after a few weeks, unable to endure hardship, or scoundrels who followed him once into the mountains to load up on fine jade that they could immediately sell for money. Once these quitters left, Master Ma's household shrunk down to a handful of people, a fellow male apprentice named Da Wei, who was my senior, a young mute boy, and myself. Da Wei had been under Master Ma's wing for many years, so he had learned a few things. The mute boy got by with odd jobs and chores. Xiao was a newcomer who was much younger than us, so she didn't interest me much, but back then I was still together with a girl in Hubei that I'd known for over a year. However, Dao Wei and the mute boy had been bachelors for many years, and they were thrilled at the arrival of this female pupil. The girl's father had also been a jade miner in his youth. He died in the trade, having lost his way in a great snowfall during the mining operation. His widow, li editor's note, a name generally associated with women from Turkic ethnic groups in Xinjiang, took great pains to rear the now orphan Xiaoyar before her own passing from a terminal illness when the child was 17 years old. At death's door, Gu Li entrusted her daughter to the Ma family. Initially, Master Ma was merely looking for a maid to help his wife with household chores. However, Gu Li confided in Ma's wife that her late husband had never managed to find good jade, not even at the time of his death. Now the dying woman wanted Yar to officially join Master Ma's household so that she could take over her father's profession. There was another reason why Gu Li chose to entrust her daughter to Master Ma. He had mixed blood origins, just like Xiaoyar. Jade miners in He Tian divided themselves into series of factions based on multiple factors. Their ethnic origins, their birthplace, and their mining techniques. Some exclusively mined in riverbeds, others only in mountains. Master Ma's own status as a half-breed, made him a sort of neutral agent. He did, in fact, get along fairly well with everyone in Hethien. And over the years, the majority of jade-mining crowd in Hethien came to be composed of either experienced old men or strong youths. There were also some Uyghur men that sent their wives to the mountains on the riverbeds in search of jade. However, There was yet to be a single female master out of these women who could truly locate jade, bring it down the mountain, extract it, ascertain its quality, and sell it for a substantial profit at the marketplace. 2. The mountains were still buried in thick snow in early spring, so we couldn't go there to extract jade. Master Ma used to say that the jade mining was something for the old man in the sky to arrange. If someone went into the mountains and found their way into a mishap, that was surely a sign that they were ill-suited to eke out a life in this line of trade. In order to prevent accidents, you must ensure you are in the right company at the right time and at the right place. You need to ask around and avoid following in the paths where people have met with accidents. A headache fever, or a limb injury all barred you from engaging in jade mining. So did a women's special time of the month. The season and the weather were just as crucial. Snow in the autumn, winter, and early spring was a deal-breaker. Jade miners in He Tian looked forward to the period between June and August as their peak season. Master Ma asked Tawe and me to take advantage of the off-season to teach Xiaoyar the basics of jade mining. I usually just found a rock to sit on and watch TV, leaving the bulk of the instruction to Dawei. He was far more willing to mingle with Xiaoyar anyway. Dawei's teaching was very thorough indeed. Young sister, don't forget to warm up and stretch before entering the mountain and make sure to walk step by step once you're up there. The steeper it gets, the lower you need to keep the center of gravity. Let out all the air when you exhale and never rely on your feet to exert force. You need to use your hands, your back, your head, too, so that you won't get tired. Xiaoyar accompanied us several times on our incursions to the foothills. Whenever climbing was involved, we positioned ourselves behind her with Dawei on the close watch. Looking up, he could see the girl's slender, snow-white waist. On our way down, Dawei would lead at the front and stretch out his hand to assist Xiaoyar on many occasions where she'd lose her footing. I was always under the impression that Xiaoyar wasn't very serious about the trade, and it's likely that Dawei caught on as well. Often, he would admonish her sternly. Descending is far more difficult than going up. Slow down now before you can't pull the brakes on your fall. Xiaoyar reacted to his advice like a spoiled child. You'll be there to help me if I slip anyway. Da Wei's heart softened, and he said no more. With the weather gradually warming up, Master Ma said that we should prepare to go into the mountains. Da Wei made me go with him to the bazaar, where he feigned some excuse to ditch me halfway and run his own mysterious errands. I went back home alone when the sky was still bright. Standing in the courtyard, I could hear Master Ma teaching Xiaoyar in the main room. Us jade miners rely on the Kunlun Mountains, also known as the Jade Mountains, for our, our sustenance. They pass through Tibet and stretch up to Qinghai. The jade produced in the east of the Kunlun Mountains takes their name, while the jade hailing from the north region is known as He Tian Jade, one of the four great varieties of this mineral in China. Shayar spoke with a crisp voice. Why won't Master go into the river like everyone else? Master Ma's reply came tinged with disgust. Don't pay heed to those old Uyghurs with their quackery that you can tell jade from common stones by the touch of your feet in the river. The Yurunguash River does not carry any great jade in its course. The mountains are still where the finest stones are to be found. You've now grasped the foundations, and your physique has improved since your mother's passing. Next week, when it's warmer outside... We'll go to the mountains. Master Ma always sang Chao Yar's praise to us, calling her a smart girl who was quick to remember things and had no trouble asking questions. She was nothing like us gawky idiots, from whom a short period at work mining jade was enough to kill our conversation skills. I always felt that Master was biased. Hadn't we all served him as errand boys for a year and a half before we were allowed to follow him into the mountains? The young mute boy still hadn't been allowed. He was forever stuck at home. But Xiaoyar was almost immediately permitted to follow us on our incursions. And after a few days, the snow line crowning the mountain in the distance had moved up significantly. Master Ma asked his wife to prepare everything we needed for our trip. Nan, dried fruit, beef jerky, seasoned spicy noodles, cumin powder, and a kettle. I was tasked with ordering a new set of ropes and canvas bags. Our luggage also featured digging tools such as awls and an assortment of items, flashlights, tents, commonly used medicines, and several large bulging bags of toilet paper. Additionally, Xiaoyar took a bag of clothes that her mother had arranged for her, including summer outfits and padded sweaters, because weather in the mountains was unpredictable. 3. On the eve of our trip to the mountains, we all had our fill of food and drink and a refreshing bath before undergoing Master Ma's health checkup. Early on the next morning, he rolled up his prayer rug and we boarded a bus with our luggage. The coach took us to the village at the foot of the mountains, where we rented two donkeys to carry our supplies and entered the mountains. The journey was long. And the round of questions and answers between Xiaoyar and Master Ma was entertaining enough to shake Dawei and me out of our usual apathy. Master Ma, where is the jade mine? How did you find it to begin with? Several large jade mines in He Tian have a history spanning over hundreds or even thousands of years. After operations stopped at some of them, everyone gradually forgot the location of those loads. Our destination is over ten kilometers away from the edge of the larger, former mines where I once went. Those who accompanied me back then are now either old, pushing daisies, or retired from this trade, so the map is now in my mind only. I am your sole guide. Master Ma had been asked this question by nearly everyone who knew him, but he always laughed, eluding a reply. Not even our pestering in private managed to get more than a few perfunctory words out of him. However, I had heard from the older generation that seasoned jade miners usually only memorize the location of one jade mine, from which they only ever extract a small amount of the mineral every time, so it can be sold for a high price. These masters would then go on to pass their secret down to their heirs, and their families would live on that knowledge for generations. All of them would trace this line of work back to their ancestors, and they all began going into the mountains from their youth. They'd almost been around every part of the Uruquash Mountains. Their hearts were dotted with the locations of these mining sites. After a few days with us in the mountains, Xiaoyar's cheeks turned a glowing red. While Master Ma was resting, Tao Wei took out a tin box of vanishing cream from his pocket and handed it over to the girl. Goodness, I really am forgetful, young sister. I brought this earlier for you, then forgot to take it out. Once you apply it, your face will not be chapped. Good stuff, from Shanghai. Yar took the small tin box and thanked him without embarrassment. She glanced at the yellowed cover of the copy of the complete works on jade that Master had given her. I thought to myself that Dawe was far too behind the times. What were the odds of today's young girls still using vanishing cream? We unloaded our things on the mountain pass, shielded from the wind, and tied with donkeys to the tree. I picked up a large rock, took out a brush we'd brought with us, and used it to write the characters of horse- on the rock, Ma, our master's surname. He pointed to the rock and told Xiaoyar, These are the rules of our trade. If we happen to be lucky enough to take big prize home, we get to write our names on the jade. This way, even if any of our peers see it, they'll know not to claim it. By the same rule, any marked materials we see on the way are off-limits. Xiaoyar replied, So what if we took something? It's not like anyone would find out. Master Ma grinned. Young lady, you're still but a child. Whether Uyghur or Han, everyone knows that the heavens always keeps an eye on the earth. Who would dare to ruin their luck with such dishonest, unkind acts? We walked for another two days before finally reaching the small jade mine we'd been looking for. Master Ma shared with us a story. Once a rich man from Shanghai fell in love with jade and took to the mountains to find it there. Though he did manage to extract a few pieces of white jade in good condition, the rich man passed away halfway through the journey, perhaps due to altitude sickness. In accordance with the rules, we divided the jade into several parts and shipped his share back to Shanghai. He was gone from this world, but left behind something in his internal remembrance— Therefore, this site is known as the Young Master's Mine. Once Master Ma laid out his prayer rug and recited the scriptures as it's mandated. tao Wei helped him hang up the ropes, and they began climbing the cliff next to them. Xiao Yar let out a sigh of amazement at Master Ma, whom was usually so reluctant to exercise. How can you climb mountains so well? Her admiration made me laugh. Master has enjoyed watching goats and their posture as they climb the mountain since childhood. The cliffs that plenty of young people can't tackle, Master will climb to the top in a few minutes. Climbing is the greatest skill that a jade miner possesses. With this said, Xiaoyar and I picked up the soft grass from the bottom of the mountain and laid it out along the edge of the mountain wall. At this time, we didn't have one of those small cordless electric drills that are common now. Seasoned jade miners all know that the most crucial steps in chiseling jade involve choosing the right spot to start from, mining the right size for the awl, and hammer, and applying the right amount of force. These all factor into whether you will be able to extract the jade from the mountain wall intact, as the saying goes, In ten pieces of riverbed jade, you're bound to find nine that are cracked. A rough start to the chiseling process may cause the whole piece of jade to crack, impacting its price in the market. However, if you don't apply enough strength or choose the wrong set of tools, the semi-precious stone will remain firmly nested in the heart of the mountain, unreachable to your unskilled hands. Yar stretched her neck until it was sore to make out the shape of Master Ma, busily working halfway up the mountain. She then rubbed her nape and complained, Brother, this chisel's too slow. Why not use explosives to blast the mine, like they do on television? This irked me. Master said that when he was a child, for about six years, some folks did just that. Long story short, they were unable to extract any material in good condition. What they did get from the mine had to be discarded because it was no use. Many of the mines were scrapped and could not be used. This is slow, meticulous work, you got it? Meanwhile, Master Ma and Dawei had dug up a large piece of material that they tied directly to Dawei's back so that he could slowly make his way back to the ground level. I helped Dawei unload his cargo and apply some ointment to his bruised back. Master Ma also came down slowly along the rope, assessing the situation. Uh, We've got some 40 kilograms this time. Shouldn't be a bad haul once it's all said and done. Let's go back home. Master Ma often said that the most exquisite jade is hidden in the depths of the mountains, and that mining jade was tantamount to asking the mineral to abandon its birthplace. Therefore, every jade miner worth their salt had to expect a respectful invitation of sorts to their coveted material. For the jade to willingly leave behind its stone manor and submit to the hands of men, this invitation had to come from a sincere heart. Thus Master Ma added this time, You two with the backs unscathed should bow in deep reverence to both Da Wei and me, since we are carrying the jade. Master Ma instructed Shaoyar and me to kowtow to them while saying, Please come into our house. Seniority was not relevant in this ritual. Our return trip would only officially start once we had completed these rituals. On our way down the mountain, Master Ma and Xiaoyar brought up the rear of our small group. He directed the girl's attention over to Dawei. See, we also have our tricks to bring our hall back down the mountain with us. The materials that we carry on our backs should always be packed in special thick cloth bags. The rope on Baoway's body is also tailored for extra strength. Although he keeps a live buckle on the rope, and you won't be able to undo it if you don't truly know your way around the knot. You'll only be able to cut it with a knife. Whoever's carrying the jade can't sit on the ground while they're resting, otherwise the jade will topple down and they'll follow behind. You must try and find a flat stone of a suitable height where you can place the jade, so you can squat to rest some on the way. Many factors come into consideration, young lady, and just one of them is enough to bar you from taking the jade home. Take your due time learning everything. 4. On the day we opened the jade, we extracted a few large stones with faint emerald color, that we then stacked neatly in the courtyard. Master Ma was in charge of the carving, and he had good connections, so that the old Uyghurs who sold jade at the bazaars all came. The young mute apprentice hurried to greet them. Master Ma did his ablutions, finished his prayers, and shouted to our fellow female disciple, Xiaoyar, you get to take a look first this time. Xiaoyar turned on a small red flashlight and took a step forward to inspect the two largest stones carefully. Master Ma, I reckon this stone showing a little blue here is no good. The other one looks ugly, but it's good in terms of weight and I suppose that there's white jade in there? I'll leave any other pieces to my elder brothers to assess them. In theory, telling good jade from bad is not that difficult however those truly skilled at it are few and far between hotan jade editor's note also known as Tan or Tian jade typically comes in a variety of colors white blue black and yellow a first sifting will get rid of any jade that is mixed with the variegated colors master ma taught his disciples that the smoothness of the texture came first and foremost. Ideally, it should feel warm and smooth to the touch, not dry. Toughness came as a second factor of sorts. Real He Jade should remain unscathed after it's been scratched with a knife or a key. Other aspects should also be taken into account, such as transparency. Hetian jade, also known as nephrite, is unlike the jadeite that is imported into China from Myanmar. Any piece of this translucent and permeable will actually be considered defective goods. Some people will take a flashlight to the piece they're appraising in order to inspect the texture of the jade at its surface. In this inspection, you want to look for thread-like lines and strands and for obvious, uneven, cotton-like shapes. Most of these indicate spots at risk of cracking during the carving process, if the jade has these defects. It couldn't even be made into jade beads, let alone heavier pieces such as pendants. Master Ma probably felt that Xiaoyar's judgment aligned with his own. Therefore, he said to his colleagues crowding the courtyard, Well then, let's follow the young lady's assessment and open these two pieces first. The sound of a chainsaw overwhelmed everyone's whispers for a while, before leading to a round of cheers. Just like Xiaoyar had anticipated, one of the pieces revealed a chaotic mix of light green jade and stone. With poor permeability traits and plenty of impurities, It was virtually worthless. The other piece, meanwhile, was pure white jade, smooth and clean. The crowd of old Uyghur merchants took out a calculator and started bargaining with us on the spot. Master Ma removed the dust, peeling off the rock shell. The jade was classified, according to its grade, as big as a palm, warm and pristine white. Master Ma and the old Uyghurs each took out their own electric scales in order to keep the other side honest. The crowd checked the weight, coming in at several dozen grams, and the piece of jade was eventually sold for 140,000 yuan. Word of Xiaoyar's ability to tell good jade from bad quickly spread far and wide. Master Ma told his own wife over dinner, I think this child can bring me prosperity. See how many times I went out with all these kids, and I never brought back so much. Ta Wei took more and more to Xiaoyar, talking over her cleverness at night. Even the mute boy showered the girl with attention. Any fresh fruits and vegetables in the house, he'd save for Xiaoyar first. I was probably the only one who didn't warm up to the girl. Master and a bunch of us divided the money on a ratio of 40% for him and 20% for each of the rest of us. It was a good trip into the mountains, indeed. After taking the money, we all agreed that we wouldn't content ourselves with whatever was left over from Master Ma's wife's plate. Only a good meal at the bazaar would do for us that day. We even invited the young mute boy, even though he'd never made it to the mountains. Master Ma thought that since he couldn't speak, he'd be utterly helpless if something were to happen in the mountains. It was a rare occurrence for him to go out to eat. He used gestures to place his order with the waiter from the menu. Dawei sat down next to Xiaoyar and asked her whether she had any plans for her part of the money. Xiaoyar looked at the dust rising outside the courtyard and replied, I'm saving it all up. This windy, sandy place is all I've ever known since I was a child. I'm going to wait for my chance to go see the vast sea, just like in the films. And the dolphin show, too. How about you, brother? Dawei scratched his head. Me? Oh, I just want to learn everything from Master Ma. Though, come to think of it, I wouldn't mind venturing out someplace. The young mute boy likely hoped that he could accompany Master Ma to the mountains to learn from him as soon as possible. I also had my own plans at the time. I wanted to buy one of those little cars I had seen in advertisements. 5. Over the course of the next two years, the price of jade fluctuated as the market opened. We always gathered from May to October to go extract jade in the mountains, and most of the times we came back with a small harvest on our backs. Needless to say, there were times when we returned empty-handed from our incursions. Once we entered the mountains and reached the mine's site, only to have the weather change rather drastically. The wind picked up as the clouds became thicker. Master Ma called for the group to retreat, and we hurried to a farmer's house at the foot of the mountains. Later on, news came that a fellow jade miner who had remained on site to wait and see had died in the mountains. This only made us admire Master Ma's decision even more. Xiaoyar herself was diligent. She read all the books that Master Ma gave her so many times that the edges were worn. She paired her wits with Master Ma's careful guidance every time she went into the mountains, and she gradually became one of the few female jade miners in He She grew up into quite the slender, nimble woman. Midsummer came again, and we chose the best time to go into the mountains. Though He Tien's urban area was scorching hot, the mountains were rather cool. That year, Master Ma suffered from a host of minor ailments, lost weight, and realized his eyesight was not as good as it used to be. For the first time, he relied entirely on Xiaoyar for the process of telling the jade apart. Xiaoyar had long ago memorized the way to the young master's mine. She took a flashlight to the jade we picked, carefully checking the transparency, texture, weight, and skin, before discarding one of the larger pieces. Thawei was reluctant to abandon the piece, stating that he still had the strength to carry it down the mountain along with the rest of us. He thought we were risking a loss if the piece later proved to be so-called jade within stone, seemingly worthless rocks that gamblers buy at high prices on the chance that their actually precious stone inside. But Xiaoyar was confident that the stone was worthless, and we ultimately listened to her and returned with only the pieces that she had approved. It was not unheard of at the time for herdsmen to occasionally and quietly follow jade miners to take home what they left behind. This is what they did with the piece that Xiaoyar had determined to be worthless. Later, we found out that it was indeed nothing more than a lump of miscellaneous stones. Gradually, requests for partnership rained down on yar as everyone hoped to spare themselves from carrying worthless junk home just by relying on her skill to tell apart Jade on the spot. However, she turned down every single proposal, doubling down on reading her master's teachings. Master Ma himself often bragged, saying that his one female apprentice far surpassed his other idiots, as he dubbed us. Though I was jealous, I had to admire her keen eye. 6. In 2004, winter shrouded the mountains in heavy snow. This was the sign I awaited every year to return to my hometown in Hubei. Every other week, I would call Master Ma's wife to chat. She told me that Tao Wei and the young mute boy were helping her manage the herds and tackle the household chores. Yar had learned some simple jade carving techniques from Master Ma's friends and made some small presents of jade to master, his wife, and her fellow senior apprentices. She even gave small pieces to a Fujian jade merchant who often came by for business. On one such call I learned that Yar was in love, which gave her a beating from Master Ma, though not because of any old-fashioned ideas of his. As it turned out, Yar had chosen as a boyfriend none other than Master Ma's unfilial son, who had been away from the home for many years. Da Wei told me on the phone that night that the lights in Master Ma's bedroom had been on until the early morning for several nights in a row he was likely unable to sleep a wink. I reckon that Yar broke Master's heart at that time. Master Ma's son was named Qiangzi. Once at the start of my apprenticeship, I had heard Tao Wei mention that he was really the most senior apprentice in Master Ma's household. He'd followed his father into the mountains since he was a child, and he was an expert when it came to mining and telling apart jade. Though the different jade-mining gangs mostly kept to themselves and tried to stay on respectful terms with one another, there were plenty of ruthless scrambles for the best spots. Master Ma was generally of the opinion that peace was highly valuable while suffering adversity was sure to bring many blessings, so he didn't care to compete with others. However, once he met with so-called Hunan gang at a jade mine, Master Ma immediately made polite arrangements to change places, but the Henan miners were still highly antagonistic and even insulted Master Ma. He went to reason with them, only to escape from the quarrel with a broken arm. With only a few apprentices around, Changzi included, and most of them rather unwilling to fight for their lives, they lost miserably to the Hunan gang. In the eyes of Master Ma, though, Chiang worst offense was not that he didn't help his own father, but that he took advantage of the situation to slip down the mountain with some raw materials that belonged to the Hunan gang, thus breaking a big taboo. With the jade trade being so small a circle, it's not difficult to make any necessary inquiries on the mining, carving, and eventual selling of any given piece. Once the jade that is stolen from the Hunan gang was properly processed, more than 50 grams of pure material were extracted from the piece. Inspection revealed that it was a superior black jade with no impurities in sight. Chiang commissioned a jade carving master to carve a sculpture in the shape of a pi a mythical animal said to bring luck and ward off evil, and promptly sold the piece to a Taiwanese customer for over 300,000 yuan. When the Hunan gang learned of the fate of their stolen goods, they were naturally unwilling to let it slide. They sent some men to Master Ma's house who took every single valuable item they could get their hands on. Master Ma was familiar with how matters were settled according to codes of honor in this world, so he did not seek revenge. Chiang Tzu must have heard what happened, for he never returned to his family home and abandoned all his filial duties. Rumor had it, that he'd gambled away the money he made from this illicit deal in Wurumuchi. From that moment onward, he only dropped by He Tian occasionally to buy jade seeds and make money from the skills his father had taught him. Qiang was rather smooth and slick character, so he was a natural at charming girls. Besides, he had probably also heard the fame of Shayar had amassed. I don't know how they met, but they stayed in touch over mobile phone until Master Ma figured everything out and brought a sudden end to the affair. A week later, I called Master Ma's wife to check the state of things. She advised me not to bring up the matter again and sighed, After so many years of devoted care, nothing could quite compare to the sound of money. However, as it turned out, Xiaoyar had eventually made aware of Chang's past, and could still tell right from wrong. She bowed to Master Ma in repentance and promised she'd never get in touch with Qiangzi again. After this incident, Da Wei still treated Shayar fairly from the bottom of his heart, but the word like was noticeably absent whenever he spoke of her from then on. In the spring of the second year, I caught a cold. This caused me to return to He Tian half a month later than originally planned. After a few days and nights on the train, I was still en route to Master Ma's house when word of Dawei's death reached me. On his way down the mountain, Dawei was crushed and killed by his own heavy cargo. As he fell, the stone crushed his chest. I didn't have a chance to see him again before his tragic passing. I remember the earliest part of my apprenticeship when I was not strong enough to climb the mountain. When my muscles and bones ached at night, Dawei had been there with a hot towel that he used to compress and massage my cramped and swollen legs. He would roll his cotton-padded jacket into a ball to prop up my feet when I slept. When the temperature fell in the mountains, Dawei would take off his sweater and offer it to Master Ma. Our meals in the mountains mostly comprised dry food, but Dawei's ability to find wild edible mushrooms gave us an additional treat. At home, Dawei brought worthless pieces of broken jade for the young mute apprentice to play with, doing his best to teach the boy the most rudiments of jade mining. I sighed with sorrow that the life of such a good man being cut short, Dawei never even got to leave He Tian to see the outside world and when I finally arrived at Master Ma's house, he had resumed his smoking habit that he'd abandoned long ago and voiced his complaints to me. I don't know what came over this dumb idiot. Why on earth did he turn around to help others when he was carrying Jade on his back? Such a heavy load, and the hill was so steep, I saw his body roll over a dozen times, and the hole in his chest was as big as the mouth of a pot. Blood was gushing everywhere. The eyes of Master Ma's wife were also red as she bawled away. That girl, Yar was always tumbling down the mountains. I lost count how many times and Dawei rolled down the mountain just to help her. What a waste. That was the moment I gave up on my old dream of staying in He to pick beautiful jade and make a lot of money. I went back to my hometown for a while before finally settling down in Wurumuchi to sell jade. I never returned to He to collect jade again, even though Xiaoyar called me several times. A certain remnant of hatred in my heart kept me from ever answering her calls. The lives of jade miners have always been far too cheap. In the early days of the trade, most of them did not even bother buying any insurance. In fact, they signed a waiver of liability before entering the mountain. In the event of an accidental death, their masters and employees were not liable for compensation. The bereaved family only ever got the minor share of the dividends from the sale of the jade they collected. Master Ma was a good person, and he allotted to Dawei's old mother in Shanxi Tens of thousands of yuan extra. But in the end, despite his generosity, Tao Wei's short life accounted for less than one hundred thousand yuan. Seven. I did return to He Tian after all, in 2017, on the occasion of Master Ma's birthday. This celebration coincided with the strictest ban that He government had ever placed on jade mining. As a result, the outsiders that had flocked to the region in the past few years finally dwindled. Master Ma's younger, mute disciple had also switched his career to open a noodle shop in the vicinity, and his business was flourishing. Though Master Ma's temples are gray now, he is much more cheerful nowadays. In his dotage, he has become a little old man who plays with birds during the day before dancing the night away with his wife in the public squares. His own career was not yet nearing its end. It was subsumed by the rapid development taking place in on the frontiers. Nowadays, fewer and fewer people are willing to risk their lives to climb mountains as a jade miner. Those who choose to study the appraisal and carving of jade are even fewer. During my visit, Master Ma and I watched together a movie called Birds Worshipping the Phoenix, which told the story of a master of the suona Horn, and his apprentice. The story moved Master Ma to tears, and he sighed, Our ancestors' legacy is increasingly scarce nowadays. Proper jade mining skills are bound to disappear, just like this art of the suona." "'Nobody had passed them on appropriately. Do you understand?' I couldn't really argue with that. I left town after Master Ma's birthday, but I kept up my regular monthly calls to his wife. She was aware of my hatred for Shayar, so she never talked about her if I did not ask. However, in one of our calls, Master Ma's wife eventually revealed to me That in the three years following Dawei's death, Xiaoyar had no shortage of marriage proposals, sometimes even with the hefty betrothal gift attached. Still, she had stayed at the Ma family house and was much less outspoken than in her youth. Master Ma's wife could not bear to witness what she perceived as the young woman's loneliness, so eventually she approached Xiaoyar to say that she had sufficiently fulfilled her filial duties over the course of those three years. In the fourth year after Dawei's death, Xiaoyar left with that Fujian jade merchant who often came by. He was a bachelor with his own jade market in his hometown. Before leaving, Xiaoyar returned to Master Ma, the jade that he had presented her with the start of her apprenticeship she carved it in the shape of a small guanyin bodhisattva, conveying her wishes that Master Ma would always be safe and sound. Later, when the young mute apprentice got married, I accompanied Master Ma to the wedding banquet and learned that Xiaoyar had sent the groom a big fat red envelope on WeChat. From what I heard, she was now a leader in the trade enjoying great popularity among her peers and even taking on jade-carving commissions. I glanced at her WeChat profile picture on the groom's phone and saw her content smile and the baby she held on her lap. More than ten years had passed. I did manage to buy myself a car. I imagine Xiaoyar must have also visited the seaside and seen a dolphin show, just like she'd dreamed of. During her youth. You've been listening to jade mining in the Kunlun Mountains, where life is cheaper than rocks. A former Hohian jade miner looks back on the disappeared, dangerous trade. Written by Renjian the Living's, translated by Anna Padelia Fornelius, published in the World of Chinese. Read to you by Cliff Larson.